You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday. It is kind of late in the day Friday, and it is time for our Friday Deep Dig. Charlie Winfield, Bart Gregory here with you. We are in the Farm Bureau studios. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. It's a little bit later in the day this time around. And, you know, I don't know, Bart, if we're playing with a hangover from last week. Uh, hopefully the team is in a better spot right now than we were. I think it was just a situation where the facts and circumstances of daily life interfered with our afternoons. But, hey, here we are, undeterred and carrying on as Mississippi State getting ready to face. Perhaps, I don't want to go out on a limb here and say, but arguably one of the greatest one-in-two teams uh, college football seen in, the, in a decade. <laughs> yeah, because of who they've beaten. They beat Marshall last week, who beat Notre Dame uh, two weeks ago. Charlie, I think it's a good thing that we've kind of held to late in the day. That way we can acquire more information about the game. Because had we recorded this this morning, we would have never known about Scott Leffler, the head coach, not making the trip to Startwell. And you've got an interim head coach in the game in Steve Morrison, who's the associate head coach, the linebacker coach. And so he is going to be the head coach tomorrow. Scott Leffler not coming down to Startville has a medical illness, and they expect him back next week. You can read into that what you may. And so Scott Leffler, the head coach, of course, has been in the SEC as an offensive coordinator at Auburn at Florida, and now the head coach at Bowling Green. He will not be here tomorrow. So if we'd have recorded this morning, you would not have known that. So we weren't being dilatory. We were just gathering facts, facts and information. And, Bart, I got some facts for you, and that is this. If you're looking for an insurance agent, Farm Bureau has one in all 82 of your counties in the state of Mississippi. And you'd know that there are 82 counties if you paid attention in your civics class. But, Bart, I always think of Farm Bureau on Friday nights. You brought up this point, and I've been making a, I've been making it a point every time I go to a high school football game now. And now you don't even have to go. You can sit at home, pull up your big screen, watch all these games that are being streamed. There's a Farm Bureau sign everywhere. These guys just simply invest in the community. You can check them out at favorites.com. If you need property insurance, you need car insurance, Need life insurance. Call our friends at Farm Bureau. And again, thanks to them as we are in our Farm Bureau studios. Uh, full disclosure, I am in the Farm Bureau studios. Bart is in the Farm Bureau studios annex, the Winston County annex of the Farm Bureau studios here tonight. Yes, I have a studio that is overlooking nothing but wooded forest. And I am sitting here tonight, I am drinking a Diet Coke as we speak, and I am surveying the squirrels that are out here in the woods. As I said uh, to you, Charlie, when we were building this place, and when we live out here, we go toward town to hunt. We're so far back in the sticks that we actually hunt closer to Louisville than I live. 
And so I'm enjoying that here on a Friday night. Well, let's jump right into this thing. We've got a football game tomorrow morning. It is going to be an early one. It has been well documented on this show that I am not a fan of 11 a.m. games, but I'm making the exception this week because I want as much time as we can have to be ready to play conference games the next two weeks at home. But here's the thing. That all sounds good. The plan is you're going to win big. The spread says you'll win big. First things first, you better win big. Mississippi State, a game tomorrow. They should win big. This team is um, – they're all, they're not terrible, are they? Well, I think they've had some, some terrible moments. And when looking at this team, and, of course, we played Bowling Green back in 2013. We talked about this, and – we won 21 to 20 in that game in 2013. We were ahead 21 to 13 at the half. They scored late in the third quarter, didn't chase the points, and we won 21 to 20. We missed a field goal with like four minutes to go in the game. They never had an opportunity to put together a big drive. That was back in 2013, that year that we went six and six, got to a bowl game, had to win our last three games to get to a bowl game, and of course that's when. Dak won the Liberty Bowl, and we won the Liberty Bowl in 2013. So that season, almost that bowl game almost didn't happen because Bowling Green came in here and almost pulled off the upset. That's an interesting point because I have often said that Nico Whitley saved Dan Mullen's job in 13. You know, we were not good. Uh, we were not good at the end of the year. People were unhappy. I don't know whether anybody was actually losing jobs, but saved his popularity because he had the big plays against Arkansas and Ole Miss help you get a win. None of that might have mattered. You screw around and let Bowling Green kick a field goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, Bowling Green's been a program playing in the MAC. They've won 12 MAC championships in their history. They're credited with a UPI national championship in 1959. Now, the AP gives that to Syracuse. And so, anyway, whatever you take that for whatever you may. But you know, this Bowling Green program has been pretty good. And when you start looking at it, you, you t- ask the question about how good they are. They started out good against UCLA. They blocked a punt, scored a touchdown early, and then were beaten 45-17. to 17. And a lot of people remember that first week at UCLA when a lot of people were snapping the pictures. And they had like 5,000 people in the Rose Bowl, which made it look like you had about 15 people in there. And then they, they lost 45-17, bounced back the next week, and lost in seven overtimes against Eastern Kentucky. 59 to 57 that was their home opener and then last week at home they win 34 to 31 in overtime against Marshall and so they they've had some moments offensively they have not been very good defensively at times and I'm going to talk about some of that defense when we get into our three numbers quick note you mentioned that they play Marshall last week Charles Huff Mississippi State connection got the win in South Bend earlier this year that's a Big win to go beat Marshall, the thundering herd. But then we've got um, Mississippi State connection last week. They face a Mississippi State team this week. They've got a Mississippi State connection next week in Joe Moorhead. And then I think they have Buffalo the week after that. So another Mississippi State connection hanging out there for them as well. Yeah, Greg Knox is at Buffalo, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, not as a head coach, but as a running backs coach. And so, yeah, over the next few weeks, there's been a lot of head coaches, to be honest with you, that have come through that program at Bowling Green. Of course, Urban Meyer was a head coach, and there's just been a bunch of guys who have had some chances to start their career at Bowling Green. 
think about Urban Meyer's career trajectory. He was the wide receivers coach at Notre Dame, goes to Bowling Green, and he beats Missouri back-to-back years at Bowling Green. And then you can say, big deal, you beat Missouri. Well, if you're at Bowling Green, that is a big deal. And then all of a sudden he gets the job at Utah when you're kind of set up to win. They have that big bowl win. And then next thing you know, Urban Meyer basically has the choice. He can go to Notre Dame. He can go to Florida, chooses Florida. And to a great degree, the path of both schools is changed. But, Bart, final thoughts on uh, Bowling Green before we kind of dig into the numbers. One thing that I noticed, this team doesn't tackle very well, Bowling Green. They have a lot of missed tackles, and they have a lot of missed tackles in their secondary They've got a cornerback back there in Jalen Burton. This is a guy that plays a ton of snaps. He's played 163 snaps in three games. He is missing 42% of the tackles that he has a chance to make. You got other another cornerback back there who's missing a third of the tackles he has a chance to make, another at 30%. The safeties, you got a starting safety in day missing 39% of the tackles. And then the other thing you could say about all these guys, they're not putting themselves in great position to make tackles either. One of the things I want to look at in this ballgame is, can we break some tackles? How well do they tackle? The other thing that jumped out at me is this is a team that's going to try to throw the ball. They're going to use their backs in routes. They're going to use a tight end, and they're going to put him in routes and play a lot in the slot. I don't know. This team, for me – Let me just say this, Bart, and then we'll get into our numbers. Here's what I'd say. We talked last week, and you were talking about how LSU's defense was a bad matchup for us. On the offensive coaching staff at Bowling Green this week, they got to be thinking this is a bad matchup for us because we're about to try to throw the football on a defense using short routes, balls behind the line of scrimmage, to a team who defends that every single day. Am I wrong? No, not at all. And that's one of my numbers. I'm actually going to talk about some missed tackles. And last week we had two numbers when we got together that were the same. So please tell me that we're not going to have the same situation today. Well, before we do that, we will remind you this is our Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig. And if there's one thing I know, if you want to dig some stuff up, the guys at Tracks Plus can help you do it. Whether you want to rent it, whether you want to buy it, they can help you out. Yeah, Tracks Plus with five locations now, three in the state of Mississippi, Hickory, then Starville, Columbus, down in Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana now, in Bessemer, Alabama as well on I-459. Get that great, saney, mini excavators. You kind of looked at me the other day when I was talking to Julie Darty, and I brought that up about the digs in volleyball. Now we got a Friday deep dig, and you looked at me just in disgust that I was trying to segue from volleyball digs into saney mini excavators. My look was nothing compared to the look that she gave you. That is very true. Very true. But t- uh, Tracks Plus with Barco equipment for the Forester, Saney mini excavators, Demi Seamoff mulching heads, and, of course, great used equipment as well at the Hickory location. Hey, Charlie, before I get into my numbers, here's some interesting connections with Bowling Green and Mississippi State. Matt Brock, who is our linebackers coach, was the special teams coordinator and linebackers coach at Bowling Green in 2016 and 2017. And then Brittany Thackeray, who's the associate athletic director for football administration, she was an assistant softball coach at Bowling Green in 2016 and 2017, and her master's is at Bowling Green. 
All right, so it's like uh, old home week, right? So let's take a look. We've got our three numbers this week. Bart, as we always do, you're going to start. We had some complaints last week that you broke up the routine. You're going to go high to low, low to high. What you got today? Well, last week I went high to low. This week I'm going to go low to high because I did get blamed for messing up the mojo. And so this week my first number will be one, and that's an easy number, one. And the one is the number of three and outs that we need to have in this game. Now, do I think that we can have multiple three and outs and still win this game? Absolutely. But I think our offense, we need to work on some stuff. We, we kind of knocked back a little bit last week the way we moved the ball down the field. This is a week we need to work on some precision and keep the ball a little bit. It's okay to punt. I'm not saying we have to score every drive, but I'm just saying from a three-and-out standpoint, with the weather being 90 degrees and a light wind, giving the defense a chance to rest a little bit. But I think this is more about us, and I think this game is more about us controlling what we do with our word-again precision in the passing attack. And so I, I want to see one or fewer three-and-outs in a game. We had – one three and out against Memphis. We had three against Arizona. We had three last week against LSU. I want to kind of reverse that trend and get it back to one as far as three and outs. All right, so there's your first number, one three and out. And my second number is going along with what you said just a minute ago. This is a team in Bowling Green that will miss some tackles, okay? They missed 31 tackles against UCLA, 14 coming in the secondary. Okay, so they did not do well at all against UCLA tackling. They missed 15 tackles against Eastern Kentucky a couple of weeks ago, and they've gotten better 13 missed tackles against Marshall last week. Okay, so this is it's almost like they had an intervention after the UCLA game. They went from 31 to 15 to 13. But the thing about us compared to those other teams is we're going to throw the ball in the middle of the field. We're going to try to stretch the field a little bit more. But we need to force 15 missed tackles in the game. And I think a lot of that is because of us. Last week, we only broke four tackles. We made one missed tackle in the running game last week. That was on Jaquavius Marks' 37-yard touchdown run. That was the only time we made an LSU missed tackle in the run game. We had three missed tackles versus our receivers last week. We have got to figure out ways to start breaking some tackles, and I think this is a week to make that happen against the secondary with some safeties who have had some troubles, as you just alluded to a minute ago, of making some tackles. All right, so we're two numbers in. What's your last one? Well, uh, here's what's crazy. I look at last week. Austin Williams was targeted one time in 22 snaps. And that was a fourth down play that was batted away. And my number is 25, and that's the number of targets with our inside receivers in the game tomorrow. Okay, Last week, only 14 of our 40 targets, we threw the ball 40 times last week, only 14 were in the direction of an inside receiver, a slot receiver. Rufus Harvey was targeted eight times last week. He caught three balls. You've got a banged-up Jaquavius Marks. And so you're unsure about how many catches he may catch in a game. And I know you have Dylan Johnson as well. But I think this is the game. I go back to those missed tackles in the middle of the field. LSU has really good safeties. And I think you see us go back to the middle of the field more in this game tomorrow. And I'm saying you're going to see 25 targets with our slot receivers in between the numbers. And to go along with that, Will Rogers in the middle of the field 
against Memphis was 13 of 17 for 76% completion percentage. Against Arizona, 21 of 25, 84% completion percentage between the numbers inside of 19 yards. Last week, 4 for 15 on 0 to 20 yards down the field, just 27%. We were shut down in our biggest targeted area, the middle of the field between the numbers. So I'm saying the targets are going to go between the numbers tomorrow. We're going to try to get back in sync with our offense. We are going to target our inside receivers 25 times. 25 times. 25. I just want to be sure I'm taking notes here. Do I need to knock that down to 20? I'm going to stay with 25. I'm feeling good about it. Let's go with it. So my numbers are one for one three and out, 15, forcing 15 missed tackles, and then 25 targets, 25 targets to our inside receivers. All right, so Bart, that's a look at your three numbers. I'm going to take a new approach this week. I'm kind of shaking it up. I'm going to give you my first number, Bart. I'm not moving up or down. So you're just going to have to bear with me here a minute. My first number. We're just going to have a spattering of numbers. Uh, well, it's going to be it's going to be unprecedented. My first number, Bart, is two. Two is the number of quarterbacks that Mississippi State needs to have play in this game tomorrow. And as I say that, let me underline bold italics, star highlight. Will Rogers is our quarterback. This is not a suggestion that we need to be looking to make changes or anything else. No, but what it is saying is there aren't that many occasions throughout the course of a football season where you have a chance to put in a backup quarterback because you choose to, as opposed to being forced to do it, let them throw the football a little bit. I think tomorrow is the day that we need to see two quarterbacks play. And the way that you do that is to come out, you score early, you score often, and you win the football game big. So my first number, Bart, is two. I'm fine with that. And here's the reason why I think that's good is because – this is your last non-conference game for a while. I mean, we've got one final non-conference game in game number 11 of the season. And the last thing you want when you jump into SEC play and start playing, you know, six SEC games in a row is if you have a quarterback that gets banged up. It happens. You hope Will Rogers, you've been lucky that Will hasn't been banged up. But the last thing that you want to see is what happened to Will Rogers, where really the first time he's taking meaningful snaps, it's against Alabama a couple years ago. The last thing you want for Sawyer Robertson is to take meaningful snaps in a ball game or taking snaps in a ball game where it's against Kentucky or it's against Arkansas, it's against Texas A&M. And so, no, I see your point there. It's not about Will Rogers is your starting quarterback, but it would be good to get somebody else some reps. So that's my first number two. My second number is two, and that is the number of touchdown passes that we need to throw from outside the red zone tomorrow. And we may have to – I'm not even counting the 20. We might have to get a little technical and look whether it's just short of the 20. I'm going to take any inch over 20 yards, but I want at least two touchdown passes over 20 yards. And you say, why do you want to do that? Well, number one – I want to see us be explosive in the passing game tomorrow. I want to see us break tackles. And we saw early in the season, Ra-Ra Thomas breaking a tackle got us a touchdown from outside the red zone. And then I look at what UCLA did to this team. They had six big plays in the passing game, including touchdown passes of 52, 
50, and 20. And then you go look at how individual guys in the secondary played. Patrick Day, the safety, has been attacked 11 times. He's given up receptions on nine. One of those was a 78-yard touchdown pass. You've got five different guys in this secondary who have been targeted for touchdowns 20 yards or greater. My second number two, and that is the number of touchdown passes from beyond the red zone. Hey, I'm fine with that. And when you look at Casimir Allen for UCLA, he was targeted 12 times and had 10 catches. Last week against Marshall, Devin Miller and Kalen Laburn were combined. They, they were targeted nine times last week and caught eight balls in the middle of the field against safeties. And so this team has given up plays in the middle of the field. And so, Charlie, I can go with that. I can go with some of these slot receivers like I talked about early on, catching a pass and getting in the end zone from more than 20 yards out. All right, so two my first number, two my second number, and two is my third number. My third number is two. That is the number of times that we can be sacked in this ballgame. And I don't care if it's Will Rogers, if it's Sawyer Robertson, if it's Chance Loverditch. I don't care if it's you, Bart Gregory. Two is the number of sacks we have to hold it to no more. And we'll talk, I got a feeling, we start looking at players on this Bowling Green team here in a minute. They got a couple of guys who can get, and really one, one guy who can get after the quarterback. We're not talking about just a bunch of monsters over there. We're talking about individual, a monster. Stop him, don't allow multiple sacks. I think it is very important that our offensive line get its groove back before next week. So two, two, and two are my numbers. And, hey, Bowling Green is sixth in the country right now in sacks. They have 12 team sacks this year so far, and that 12 sacks leads the Mid-American Conference. So I think in terms of trying to get your offensive line ready to go, it's a good team to face. But it, there's not just a ton of – there's not a Will Anderson over there. There's not a ton of guys. There's some good players. Got to stop them. So those are my numbers, 2-2 two, two, and 2. And speaking of 2, now it is time for our two brothers, two players on the opposing team. In baseball, we call this two guys that could kill you, two guys that could cause harm in a variety of ways. It's always been the number 2, and it's always related to our friends at Two Brothers – Bart Gregory's choice for lunch on Friday. It's where he gets his wings. It's where he gets his notebook out. It's where he goes over in the corner, drinks out of a styrofoam cup so nobody knows what's in there. I don't know what you're doing over there, Bart, but you say you're getting ready. I want to know, did you go to Two Brothers Day and get ready for this show? I did. This is where I put all those numbers together. Was it Two Brothers? Went upstairs, got in the corner, sat by myself, and got some work done. And the two brothers smoked meats. I had the wings again today. Creature habit. Sorry to be that way. The older I get, the more of a creature of habit I become. And my two brothers smoked wings on Friday is my go-to. It's a great place. I almost went outside, but it was just a tad too warm for me to jump outside on that patio this morning or this today at lunch. And so I stayed inside, but bunch of people there it'll be a bunch of people there this weekend great for people watching that place will be hopping on saturday night as well well i tell you we're getting that time of year too where night is starting to be a fun time to be outside it's a great kind of back porch and if you're at two brothers kind of front porch place to to sit and look at people uh so bart you got two guys to look at for the falcons who you got 
All right, my first one is the guy you're probably talking about, Carl Brooks, number 11. Defensive lineman, 6'4", 300. He's a senior, Lansing, Michigan, hometown, but he's a fifth-year guy. He's one of these five-year guys, leads the team in pressures with 15. He's got a couple of sacks. He's a guy that gets to the quarterback extremely well, and we're going to have to figure out a way to block him. You know, last week, LSU got pressure on Will Rogers without the blitz. And so this game is going to be very key that Will Rogers has clean feet and it's not coming from the blitz. And the guy that you got to worry about getting there one-on-one, I don't know if you got to double-team him or not, but Carl Brooks is a guy that can get there in a hurry. Yeah, Carl Brooks is the guy I was looking out for. You know, this guy has 15 pressures on the quarterback this year. Here's the stat that jumped out at me. A lot of times when you look at an opposing team and you say, I don't know what this guy's going to do. Like if you were to look at Tyrus Wheat, a lot of times you'd say, I don't know if he's getting back in coverage. I don't know if he's going to be the spy. I don't know if he's coming after the quarterback. You ain't got a guess on Carl Brooks. He has been on the field for 50 pass plays in a true pass set. Basically one of those where everybody comes to line and they're lined up to throw the football. 50 times he's been on the field in that situation. 50 times he has rushed the quarterback. There is not a whole lot of thought for Carl Brooks. He isn't going to get caught in indecision. We know what he's doing when Mississippi State drops to throw. Yeah, he's a good one. And he wears number 11 on the defensive side, so be able to watch, be watching out for that guy. My other guy is Odu Hilaire. He's a wide receiver. Odu's going to wear number one, six foot 180, a senior from Belle Glade, Florida. He's a transfer from Alabama A&M. Hilaire has had a catch in 25 straight games, which includes that career down at Alabama A&M, 17th best active streak in the country. When you look at him, he was only targeted, he only caught one pass against UCLA, caught one ball for four yards. But the last two weeks against Eastern Kentucky, seven for 60, and then last week four catches for 79 yards. He has three touchdowns in the last two games. He's a guy that they figured out what they've got, and they're going to go to him. And so the wideout, Odu Hilaire, number one on the offensive side, he's the, the pick-the-click for the uh, Bowling Green Falcons on the offensive side for me. All right, I'll give you my guy that I'm kind of looking to perhaps cause us some trouble on the offensive side for Bowling Green, and this is my first player of the game, and that is number 88, tight end Christian Sims. He's a seniors, big guy, 6'4", 240 out of Norcross, Georgia, and he's consistent. Four catches week one, four catches week two, five catches week three. Five of his 13 catches this season have gone for first downs. But how about this? His average depth of target is just three yards. And so we complain about getting guys down the field. Sims, just three yards average depth of target. But here's what he does. He breaks tackles. He's broken six. He's four six misses. And so he is a guy that I think you got to watch out for, kind of a safety blanket uh, for the quarterback, Matt McDonald, when he gets in, in trouble. So Christian Sims, the tight end for me. And by the way, this is one of the things, particularly in the NFL, now there's always the big argument, is somebody a tight end? Are they a slot? What are they? You put a label on, but what do they really play? Sims is a tight end, but... Maybe, you know, he basically spends a, 
almost half the time in the slot. Sometimes they send him all the way wide. Here's what he doesn't do. He is not a blocking tight end. You know, you think of the old days, you had some tight ends that you could put in pass protection. Just 15% of the time he's in pass protection. So Sims, a guy not getting downfield, but he makes himself available, does a good job of shielding defenders. Watch him kind of working underneath. Yeah, that's a pressure point for our linebackers. That's a pressure point for our, our safeties is in the middle of the field and how you know how they try to work the ball. We haven't seen a prototypical tight end yet. So we haven't seen guys catch a, you know tight end balls that are inside and, and set up at the line of scrimmage. Now we've seen some slot guys, but we haven't seen anybody in a three-point stance has really given us trouble early on here early in the first three games. So my second guy is going to be number 19. By the way, Sims, if I didn't say this, is wearing number 88, same number that Des Bryant wore, and he did catch that football. 19, though, Teron Keith, the receiver, excuse me, the running back for Bowling Green. You can pardon my misstatement there because here's why. Keith, who is out of Florida, mainland Florida, DeLand, is that it? DeLand, Florida, is that how you say that, mainland high school? I've always said DeLand. All right, well, he's that's where he's from. If I was confused about receiver or running back, here's why. This is a almost a Mississippi State kind of number. He's carried it 17 times for 76 yards. He's caught it 14 for 119. Uh, this is another guy who, when he's involved in the passing game, makes guys miss. He's forced five missed tackles on passes, six of those receptions for first down. You mentioned Hilaire a minute ago. Nine of his 12 catches for first down. Another guy, C.J. Lewis, the receiver, seven out of ten. But this is a team – oh, by the way, Keith, you wonder sometimes where are you going to use your running backs? Are they going to stay in block? Almost never. Less than 20% of the time is Keith trying to defend the quarterback. They're going to get him – try to get him out in space, get him the football and let him work. So the tight end, Sims working the underneath. Keith, the guy that I'm looking for out of the backfield. Yeah, what's crazy is when you look at how we've used our running backs in the passing game, I mean, he's one of the top five in the country as far as catching balls as a running back. Yeah, so he's going to be a guy to watch. But I go back to if our defense was ever ready for an opponent, this is this ought to be one of them. So we've had our three numbers. We've had our two opposing players. Bart, um, before we jump into this is going to be kind of a predicate to the one more thing. Maybe I'll have a couple of one more things. But one of the things is this. You know, there's a Bowling Green, Kentucky. This is not it. Bowling Green, Kentucky, by the way, where the National Corvette Museum, it's a about a 72,000-person town. Bowling Green, Ohio, who we're dealing with, only 31,000, so only about half the population. Nice town, by the way. Been there. Enjoy it. Nice, nice town in Bowling Green. But there are two Bowling Greens. They're up and down I-75, but this is the one in Ohio. About six and a half hours apart, I believe. Yeah, this one's just south of Toledo. Do you call this a suburb of Toledo? It seemed further. I think I mentioned to you the other day that I actually drove from Bowling Green up to Toledo to watch the Toledo Mud Hens when I was in town. Saw a picture of our friend Marcus Timms on the wall when they won a championship, AAA Tigers team at least at the time, but they're they're awfully close at least. When you get into northern Ohio, I kind of lose my geography a little bit. Yeah, I do the same. Sooner or later, you run into Lake Erie if you steer it the right direction. But, all right, so anyway, that was one note. But, Bart, what's kind of your one more thing about this uh, Bowling Green? 
All right, I always I thought this was an interesting story. In 1946, the Cleveland Browns general manager and head coach Paul Brown was looking through the state of Ohio, looking for a training camp site for the summer to get his team ready for their inaugural season. Okay, so he traveled and he went to Bowling Green and Bowling Green State University, and he was interested in the school because it was far enough away from Cleveland that he could get his team sequestered from all the noise and the chatter of the big city, but it was close enough that when they needed to, they could get back to Cleveland in a decent amount of time. It was two hours plus at that point in history. But he was getting a tour when he stopped by the athletic building, and what caught his attention was the framed Bowling Green football jersey on the wall, and he really liked the school's orange and brown color combination, and the rest is history. And that's why the Cleveland Browns have orange and brown. It's derived from Bowling Green University. I did not know that, so I learned something today. Um, You know, my one more thing, I always enjoy seeing who went places. You know, who were the alumni that came out of schools? And you look at Bowling Green, Rick Ocasek, you familiar with him? Oh, Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of the Cars. That's not true. He was the primary co-lead vocalist, whatever that means. He's kind of a lead singer. I think as famous, though, because he was married to Paulina Poroskova. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, Bart, but old SI cover girl, Paulina Poroskova. Rick Ocasek died a few years ago. That's what I was about to say. Didn't he die? He did. A couple of other guys, Nate Thurman, one of the top 50 all-time basketball players. Nate Thurman, a graduate of Bowling Green. Jim Joyce, the umpire who blew the perfect game call at first base that uh, Galarraga should have had the perfect game, and he blows it. He is from there. Uh, The Bulldog, Oral Hershiser, is from Bowling Green. Roger McDowell, Game 7 winner in 1986. But here's the one that I liked. I guess not as many people remember this. This was such a big deal to me, I think because of the age. But the 1980, maybe more people know about it because of Miracle, the movie. But the run that the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team made, the Miracle on Ice that won the gold medal, defeated the Russians not in the finals, as most people think, but in the semis. Ken Morrow. And you say, well, who is Ken Morrow? A lot of people remember Jim Craig. One of the great calls ending a game is Al Michaels counting it down, and as he ends it, 11 seconds, you've got 10 seconds, the countdown is going on right now. Morrow up to Silk, five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Ken Morrow, a graduate of Bowling Green, he is now uh, the lead scout for the New York Islanders. He won a number of Stanley Cups. So, Ken Morrow, 10 years in the NHL. Actually, one of the more successful guys from that team in terms of their play in the NHL. So, that's my most famous alum from Bowling Green. You have to say Al Michaels is on the Mount Rushmore of sports broadcasters, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%, I would. I think Al Michaels is great. So, hey, that actually brings up something. Let's take two minutes here. This is one more thing and a half. If you were tuning in to a college football game, who do you want to hear? Oh, in today's world, from a play-by-play standpoint or from a color standpoint? And I'll even expand the field. You can give me college or pro. Who do you want to hear as your team? I really like Joe Tessitore from a standpoint of what energy he brings to the game and in a way that it doesn't make it about him. I like him a lot. 
I actually like Troy Aikman a lot. I know that you probably don't the way he gets on the Dak a little bit, and, and Troy will get on the Dak a little bit. I just think he brings so much to the table from a color analyst standpoint. Oh, I love Troy Aikman, and I I like Jack Buck or Joe Buck. I like Joe and Jack. I think Jack Buck is, is a lot better than people give him credit for. But those are my two guys. I, I'll go. I would go Joe Tessitore in college, and then I would go Jack Buck, Troy Aikman in the NFL. Did you hear what happened in the game last week where Gus Johnson had to tap out at ha- halftime? And so you've got your color guy, Joel Klatt, who is basically, who boy, I think it was Nebraska-Oklahoma. He was just going to have to bring you the second half, and, and then um, somebody else jumped in. Brady Quinn, I think it was, who happened to be there, jumped in, but – yeah, that's uh, that's no fun when you show up to be the color guy. Next thing you know, you're trying to call a ball game. Yeah, that would be pretty tough right there. Two different, two completely different things. All right, so you and I, tomorrow we're on the pregame show at 9 a.m. We've got the postgame show thereafter. Matt Wyatt might or might not be with us. We'll have to find that out. We, though, will be on the air after the game, and then we'll get together on Sunday and we're going to talk about a big, lopsided Bulldog win. But if we're not, let us remind you, 21-20 in 2013. Still got to play the games. You never know. Hey, one of the things we've been doing, we've been looking at the spread. The spread has moved up to 31. And right now, Charlie, 59% of the bets are on Bowling Green to cover but 53% of the money in the bets is on Mississippi State to cover the 31. The over-under in the game, the total is 52.5, and 85% of the money is on the over, 52.5. I am not a gambling man, but if I were, I would never, ever touch a line that big. You just can't do it. It's like the basketball thing. You get some walk-on, come in and bank in a three, and instead of winning by 21, you win by 18. I don't know. Those big spreads, just uh, a little tough for me. It is amazing, though, how often they are right. I'm hoping tomorrow is. All right, we'll be back with you Sunday. Thanks for hanging out. This was our Friday Tracks Plus Deep Dig.